0: good morning everybody Uh, my name is Sean and it's a real blessing to get to spend this morning here in Orange County of course you know you live in a beautiful part of the world Um, it's easy to see God uh, walking around and looking at all the incredible things God's created Uh, but the most beautiful thing in Orange County you have to check this out it's this group right here Uh, because God's church is the most radiant amazing thing that's ever existed on this planet and it's awesome to come together on a Sunday morning and worship Him and be encouraged by one another. Um, let's see if this works. I'm sure it does. Oh, okay. So that's my family. Um, oh, and I did want to say before I start, I'm so thankful for the hospitality of uh, Pablo and Nicole and the Stevensons and just, um, I feel like I've been adopted into this Orange County family. Um, although I think I'm too old to get adopted, but I'm open. Um... <laughs> Uh, Somewhere in my head this still works, Uh, but you know, as you bounce around the world sometimes you land in a place and it feels like home right away. And I just really appreciate the way you have taken care of me this trip. Um, We also got to be in Vegas um, for the singles conference and we just always feel so loved uh, to be able to come and visit here. Uh, So you have an amazing leadership team, I know you know that, Uh, but it's always good to be reminded from the outside it is a great blessing. Um, to have people who serve us and take care of us and uh, encourage us. So, um, amen. Oops, I went too far. So this is my family. Uh, That's my daughter, Diana, and that's me. Uh, That's my wife, Lena. She was born in Moscow. Uh, So, uh, and both my kids were born in Moscow, but they grew up in the Ukraine. So our family is Ukrainian, American, and Russian, uh, which today is a very complicated idea, Uh, but not in the kingdom. Amen. Amen. And not in a real family, it doesn't matter. Um, We love one another and it's great to be a family. Um, And uh, so a couple things about me, Uh, I was born in Kansas, I went to the University of Kansas, Um, I graduated college and I went on the mission team uh, to Kiev, Ukraine, Um, and uh, uh, was there in the beginning and then went to St. Petersburg to plant the church, not St. Petersburg, Florida unfortunately, it was the one in Russia. Uh, Went to St. Petersburg, Russia, was there for nine months, and then moved back to the Ukraine, was there for two years, and uh, God grew the church there from 160 to 1,600 in two years. And it became the largest Christian church in the Ukraine, Um, which is encouraging, but then uh, the government didn't really like that, so we got removed from the country. Uh, Moved to Moscow, where we actually started Hope Worldwide, um, and all the work in the former Soviet Union, and we got to work with orphans. Uh, In the elderly, in our first orphan event, actually Michael Jackson came to it. This is me and Michael Jackson. Um, So he was there, uh, which was uh, amazing. Uh, The kids were obviously incredibly encouraged. Um, But then we moved back to the Ukraine and uh, continued to lead the church. This is my favorite picture of the Kiev church. Um, More than 2,000 people. Um, Of course, because of the war, right now there's only about 700 disciples living in the Kiev right now. Um, So we're always praying, and I do appreciate all your prayers for the Ukraine. Um, at this hour, uh, this is a picture of Eastern Europe. This is kind of the part of the world that me and my wife uh, try to take care of. Um, in the Ukraine, there's about, there was about 2,000 disciples. There's about 1,000 now. Um, but in the other countries around the Ukraine, um, there's actually very few disciples, and the churches are already 20, 25 years old. Um, so what we've decided with me and my wife is that we basically packed up our bags and gave away everything that didn't fit in one and a half suitcases, and my daughter became an empty nester um, and sent us out. <laughs> Uh, So, uh, and uh, we're going to spend the next 10 years going from country to country, um, all these Eastern European countries, and every year we go, we invite a group of young people to come join us for 10 months, and we also invite a group of empty nesters to come join us for 10 months, and together we revive a church. Um, We revive those 25-year-old Christians that have lost hope. Uh, We set this incredible example for those young kids growing up, and we go after the campus ministries, and we go after the singles, and... And God willing, help turn around a country and set them on a path to be able to plant other churches and evangelize their country. So that's what we're doing. Uh, we're actually on uh, 4.0, but 1.0 was supposed to. Oh, this is us. Uh, actually, we had this great plan, and then COVID happened. Um, and you see how busy the airport was. Uh, I think we were the only ones crazy enough to travel at that moment. Um, but uh, we uh, landed in Odessa when we were supposed to land in Budapest, uh, so that didn't work according to plan. Uh, Then the next year, but God still blessed in Odessa, uh, there's 18 people who became Christians uh, while the Revive team was there, which was very encouraging. Uh, Then we were supposed to go to Croatia, but we ended up in Moldova. So the only thing I'd understood after two years is that it's impossible for me to guess where we're actually going. Um, But we uh, didn't go to Zagreb. This is a beautiful picture of Zagreb. We landed in Kishinev, Moldova, which is the poorest country in Europe. Um, And we landed there, and uh, we just started to share our faith with people. And more than 100 people started to study the Bible within the first five weeks. So we decided maybe God wants us to stay here. We didn't understand why we were in Odessa, and now we're in Moldova. It made no sense to us. We weren't supposed to go to either of those places. Um, But then this happened. On the 24th of February, uh, there was an explosion all over the Ukraine. And within seven hours, the Odessa church where we had just spent 10 months... Was flowing into the Kishinev Moldova church where we were lo- landed, located, and ready to take care of all the brothers and sisters. And it's just God worked it out and got us to the right place uh, to meet the needs of people. So proud of the Revive team. They stayed put. They had shut down the, there was a no fly zone over Moldova. It was too dangerous for airplanes to go in and out. Um, but the team stayed put and we kept serving and kept loving and kept helping people become Christians. And every single week since the war started, someone became a Christian for the next 17 weeks in a row. And it was unbelievable how God blessed uh, the work there by staying put. Um, This is a picture of my daughter. She got married in the middle of all this. Um, It was basically impossible for her to get married, but because of the Moldovan Constitution, we were able to convince the local authorities to marry an American and a Ukrainian in Moldova. Uh, So God did a miracle Uh, Then 3.0, we just finished two weeks ago. So we just finished Revive 3.0. That's what has now allowed me to come and visit you um, and spend time here. But this is the wonderful team uh, that was there, very proud of them. Uh, This is the very first picnic when we arrived at the Kishinev Church two years ago. Uh, This was the last picnic uh, that we attended there. And then this is a picture of the church uh, September 1st when 3.0 landed. And this is a picture of the church when 3.0 left so God definitely blessed these are all the baby Christians and, uh, and I'll, I'll finish with this if you want to take a picture of this this is my Instagram and it's not that I'm just looking for more followers uh, <laughs> I would actually like for you to think about and pray about is God calling you to come and help revive a city or country in Eastern Europe and you know 40 years ago basically when we were just starting out as a movement people would say you either should go or you should help somebody go but we're all doing something to save this lost world. And this church has been an incredible example of a sacrificial church that's given to missions for years and years and years and years. And I applaud your hearts and your sacrifice over the decades to help people become Christians. Um, but I do want to continue to encourage you, as Thessalonians says, for more and more uh, to continue. Please pray for us, follow us. If you have any ideas, suggestions, if you want to come spend 10 months um, in one of the revived whatever point owes, we would love to have you. Um, Younger people, if you want to come, please consider it. Uh, We would love to have you. So that was my little pitch. Amen? Okay, now we can move on to the good stuff, the Bible. Um, Full of light. Okay, I'm from Kansas. um, And I came from Kansas actually here just now. uh, And I took my daughter and her husband to see where I grew up so that they could see my home and i love my little house in overland park kansas because what we would do in the evening is we would uh we would catch fireflies i liked catching fireflies and you know a jar by itself cannot light up you have to put something in it to get it to light up no matter how hard the jar wants to light up it can't light up on its own you've got to put something in it that causes it to light up and i think that's a, a good way to understand that we can be full of light Not because we right now will decide we want to be full of light, but because we fill up with Jesus, and Jesus allows us to shine. He allows us to be full of light. And uh, I appreciated Pablo giving me this topic, and it's kind of new. Sometimes I like to travel because I can just pull something out of the archive, but I realized I don't have anything on this. Uh, So I sat down yesterday and tried to figure out what should I actually say about this. Um, But I want to start with this. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. That's Jesus speaking here. Jesus is the light of the world. There was never anyone like Jesus before Jesus. There will never be anybody on this planet like Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. It's unbelievable when you think about it. Jesus never wrote a book, but he's quoted more than anybody ever. Jesus never wrote a song, but there's more songs written about Jesus than anybody Um. He never had a government position, he was not rich, he was not a doctor but he healed more people and continues to heal people. Never went to a university but he has more students attending his college than any other university or all universities combined, right? How is it possible that somebody grew up in a city of 400 people without a TikTok account? How is it possible? That we're sitting in a room in Orange County 2,000 years later and talking about somebody from a little insignificant village of 400 people without a penny to his name, without an education to his name, without a role to without anything. How in the world are we sitting here today? Really? There is nothing like Christ. There is nothing like him. You know, there's lots of organizations that come together and try and change the world. There's the G8, the G20, I think it's now the G7 or G19. It's a G something. It's a G some number. I personally believe in the J12. The the J12 is actually how you change the world. Um, these, These G groups, I mean, they're awesome. They're talented, brilliant people, but they can't for the life of them fix this world. This G12 group that, once again, not a penny to their name and and, and no no nothing, they continue to change the world every single day. You have made the right decision to be here this morning. You are in the right place. And we are talking about the right person. Amen? Okay, let's jump into actually the theme verse. Um, No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. I think Jesus is the light of the world. And we are filled with light when our eyes are good. That's what it it says here. If we fix our eyes on the light, then we are filled with light we choose what we look at. We choose what we focus. There's actually a verse that says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Yeah. Because the eyes are the lamp to the inside of you. That's right. What you choose to look at is what's going to get illuminated inside of you. And it's interesting that 80% of all the information coming in your body right now of your five senses, 80% comes from your vision. If you keep your eyes focused on Jesus, you will be full of light. And it's interesting that Jesus doesn't just shine on you. He just doesn't make you shiny. He actually puts his light inside of you so that you can produce light. It'd be one thing just to be able to reflect his or to be basking in his, but he actually puts it in us so that we can give out light with our lives. But our eyes are the lamp to what's inside of you. The scriptures, the Bible, focusing on Jesus is what fills us up and lights us up. You know this practically. If you've uh, been a Christian, you know this practically. When you are focused on Jesus, you start to light up. And when I'm not focused on Jesus, it starts to get a little bit shady in there. Right? You know... We get to be full of light. And I'm so thankful. You know, being back at the university, I went back to the University of Kansas for the first time in 20 years. That's where I was converted. It was a very, very weird sensation. I didn't anticipate it because the University of Kansas is the last place I was really worldly. Immoral, drunk, like just out of control living. Now, normally when I'm running around Eastern Europe, nothing reminds me of my worldly life there. It's a very safe place. All, All I'm reminded of is my Christianity when I'm in Eastern Europe. But at KU... I was like, oh, I remember that bar. Oh, I remember that. Oh, like, I kind of want to get out of here. Like, this is making me uncomfortable. Right? I mean, but I'm thankful. This is actually Dale I wanted to share for a second. See, I was an atheist. I didn't believe in God at all. And I was at a tennis tournament. I was a professional tennis player, well, teacher. Um, I played for the University of Kansas. Um, but I was... I was an atheist at a tennis tournament, and a coach came up to me and he said, "So, hey, Sean, I wanted to talk to you. Do you believe in God?" And I was like, "No." He's like, "Why not?" I said, "Well, because God's for people who have nothing better to do with their lives. I mean, it's a, I mean, I believe in science, evolution, this and that. I'm too smart for God," I thought. Um, And he said, well, you know, there was a guy who, uh, there was a story in the Bible where somebody prayed and the sun stopped for 24 hours, and here's this article that says there's a 24-hour hole in the space-time continuum that nobody can explain how that time disappeared. Now, to this day, I can't find that article. I think he made it up, but it worked on me. (laughs) I was freaking out. I thought, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. If there's a God, and I'm wrong, there's a heaven and there's a hell. And if I'm wrong about this, I mean, I don't be, I don't mind being wrong about who's going to win the basketball game, but this, this is unacceptable. Mm -hmm. I have to figure this out. I went home literally freaking out, came back the next day and I came up to him and said, I think I believe in God. What do I do? (laughs) And he said, well, let's pray with me and tell God you love him and ask for forgiveness and you'll be saved. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, just say a prayer and, and tell God you love him and you'll be saved. I said, that that's it like he stopped the sun. his son died on a cross and i'm just gonna say 15 words and i'm good And he's like yeah that's it i said well wait a minute i was in a bar last night and i must have told at least 12 people i love them last night after my seventh or eighth beer like i was loving everybody in that bar but today i don't remember any of them so I, i don't understand and we argued a little bit then i just said look thank you for helping me believe in god but i think you have it wrong This can't possibly be it. So I got in my car, drove on my way home, stopped at Walgreens, bought a Bible. Best medicine in the Walgreens, by by the way, Bible. It's perfect. Went home, decided to read the Bible, Matthew chapter 1. I opened it, I read it, and I closed it, and I thought, I have no idea what to do. Somebody's the father of somebody's the father. I mean, what what do I do with that? And uh, closed that Bible, and I prayed the most, sincere prayer probably of my entire life God if you're out there help me find you and two days later in plus 20 degree weather freezing, walking on campus this guy stopped me on the street and he asked me if I wanted to come to a Bible talk and I thought this is the answer to my prayer now what was interesting I talked to him later, what was interesting is that that day he had decided he was going to invite five people and he wasn't going to go home until he invited five people. And he was sitting in the cafeteria where it was very warm. And he had already invited four people He said, I should just go home. And he thought, no, I prayed I would invite five. So I'm going to stay here until I invite my fifth person. So he walks out of the cafe, walks down the street and sees a guy coming. said, okay, this is, this is the guy. And he, and he walked by him and didn't say anything and kind of just chickened out a little bit. And they said, okay, next guy. And he stops the next guy and it was me. So I feel bad for the guy he chickened out on, but I'm but personally I'm very fired up that he did chicken out on that guy. Otherwise, I wouldn't be standing here today. That blows me away. It blows it should blow you away that you're even sitting in this hall right now. It is stunning how much God loves you and all the things he's orchestrated to get you to this point. Amen, church? So, first thought. Jesus' light has led us to being rescued. Let's read here. Giving joyful thanks to the Father. Amen? We can be joyful this morning. Amen? We can be joyful this morning. Um, To the Father who has qualified you. You do not qualify you. I don't care how good a week you think you had. It does not qualify you. We don't even have to worry. Am I good? Is God okay with it? God qualifies you. The Father qualified you to share in the inheritance. I don't know about you, but I like the idea of getting an inheritance. Uh, It didn't actually work out, but that's okay. God has an inheritance for us. For his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen? We are a part of his kingdom. I am no longer American. My wife is not Russian. My kids are not Ukrainian. We don't belong. We belong to his kingdom now. We are citizens of his family. I've been adopted my last name has been crossed out and his last name is written. Yeah. We are in his family, amen? We are a part of his kingdom. We have been rescued. You know, the idea of if, if I told you, hey, I was rescued yesterday, you would assume that there was something about to happen to me that would have ended my life, but I got rescued. You have all been rescued, Which is unbelievable. Our sins have been forgiven. We've been redeemed. Um, The Revive 3.0 team gets to play a tiny role with the Los Angeles church. Um, This guy, his name's Frank. And the first month of Revive, Casey, one of the sisters, was just out sharing her faith and passed out invitations and met this guy on the street in Moldova, Kishinev, Moldova, and invited him to church. He's from LA. Um, Invited him to church, gave him an invitation. Um, He was like, oh, this is really cool, but he wasn't really interested. He went home, threw it in his drawer, shut his drawer, and didn't look at it for the next nine months. He went on spring break to Amsterdam and unfortunately wasn't in the best state of mind in Amsterdam and uh, was walking home at 3 a.m. and he got hit by a car. The car didn't stop and left him there laying in the middle of the street bleeding out. He had no phone, no connection, and he was laying there in the street and he said, God, if you will save me, I will serve you. And some random person on a bicycle at 3 a.m. on a random dark street drove by him. Random, right? Called an ambulance, got him in the ambulance, got him to the hospital, saved his life literally just by the stroke of luck. He comes back to Moldova and he starts frantically going through all the drawers to look for the invitation that he received nine months ago. He found the invitation. It's a QR code uh, because we never know where we're going to be. And they they went on the QR code, and he found where we were, and he came and he said, I want to become a Christian. I want to study the Bible. And he just started studying the Bible and finished his dentistry degree. He lives in Hollywood. His family owns a dentistry practice there. And he is now landed in the turning point, and he's going to be getting baptized any day now uh, here in the L.A. church from the Kishinov streets. Um, God rescues us he's always working in our lives. Amen. You know, this is, the the campus knows this, but this is the, not only the campus knows that this is the Titanic, but they know what I'm about to say. Um, You know, when you watch the Titanic movie, when you get on the Titanic, um, there's all kinds of classes when you get on. There's like first class, second class, I don't know, fifth class, no class, like in the engine class or whatever. Like, there's all these different classes getting on. And there's lots of pomp when you look at it. And they have their baggage and the people that are really aristocratic and then the really simple people. And you see all these different categories getting on. But then when the Titanic sank, rescue boats, if you see the movie, people get in the rescue boats, then they head to the United States. And when they get on the coast in the United States, there were actually two big boards put up. And on those two boards, on the top of one board was written the word Saved. And on top of the other board was written the word lost. And they had names of everybody. And everybody's name, as the boats came in, information came in, saved or lost. And it's very interesting that getting on the Titanic, people are worried about lots of different status things. But getting off the Titanic, there's only two categories. You're saved or you're lost. This is a lot like our world today. We can be very concerned today about a lot of things. Do I have a degree? Do I not have a degree? Am I married? Am I not married? Do I have kids? Do I not have kids? Am I this? Am I that? Am I American or am I Ukrainian? Or am I Russian? Am I, am I uh, male or female? There's so, many, there's so many things everyone's so caught up with on this boat. This boat is going down. And everybody on it is going down with it. And going down, there's only two lists. God's concerned about two lists. The news Facebook and Instagram is concerned about hundreds of different lists. The Bible's concerned about two, saved or lost. Saved or lost. Thanks to Jesus, you can have your name on the saved list. Without Jesus, you'll be on the lost list. But Jesus died because he really doesn't want you on the lost list. He wants you on the saved list. Amen? Amen. I want to encourage you. If you've been a Christian for many years, remember what we've been saved from. You've been rescued. And if you're here studying the Bible right now, I want to encourage you. Get on the saved list. It would be really weird in the Titanic movie for the rescue boat to be there and for someone to walk up to somebody and say, Hey, do you want to get on the rescue boat? I think I need some time to think about it I'm not quite sure about this whole rescue boat thing Uh, I, I just need some time like really? do you really think you'd be having that conversation? I think you'd just jump in the boat now I'm not saying let's not have a mind about us when we make decisions but come on and let's not let those 50 little lifts creep back in the church and start to divide us about all these silly things the world's worried about. This church is totally unified because of those two lists. And as soon as those two lists become less important than the other six lists, then we're going to be in trouble. Right? Saved and lost, that's what we fight for. Amen, church? Full of light, chosen. God's chosen us. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Can you believe it? Out of the 7 billion people on this planet, we get to be here. Wow. God has chosen me and you. To be a royal priesthood. A priest, the the definition of a priest is someone who knows God and someone who understands people. So you can talk to other people about how to connect with God. That's basically just what we do. We just help people understand who God is. Amen? And I love, I don't know about you, but I love the Marvel movies. I know I got to grow up one of these days. It's probably not going to happen this week, but... I love superhero movies when somebody can like, has these powers and can go in and do something awesome. Like, I haven't figured out exactly which one I want to be. Superman was from Kansas, so we kind of have a kinship there. Um, well, not directly from Kansas, but eventually, you know, anyways. But I love these ideas that this superhero can swoop in and save people, right? Um, that's what a disciple is. We have these superpowers. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the scriptures. And and believe me, they're like superpowers. I don't know about you, but sometimes you open up the Bible, someone and their heart just melts in front of you. You're like, wow, did that just happen? We have superpowers and we can use them for the good. We are not spectators. We are not at a movie theater. We are all part of the game. We're all part of his plan to change the world. Amen. I want to introduce you to this couple. Uh, This is Uh, So, Romeo, his name's Romeo, uh, the guy there, and uh, actually his wife's name is Juliet. So, what are the odds, right? This is Romeo and Juliet. Um, They were from Kaki, that's a small village in Azerbaijan, uh, but it's very poor, it's like a village of 500 people, there's actually no currency, they trade in potatoes and chickens and things like that, so there's like no money, and Romeo decided to go with his brother Rizzo to Tbilisi, Georgia, to work and get some money to be able to send it home to help the family. So he moved there and as he was in Tbilisi making his daily wage, they get paid every day at the end of the day, he would send money home. But when he was there, he got reached out to, studied the Bible, and Romeo became a Christian. Then Romeo went back to Kaki and brought his wife to Tbilisi and his wife studied the Bible and Juliet became a Christian. So Romeo and Juliet are now Christians in Tbilisi and they decided to move there uh, with their three daughters just to, to grow in their faith. And to be able to help start a church in Kahi, their little village of 500 people. Rizzo, uh, that's Romeo's brother, he got baptized as well. And he stayed in Kahi to help people become Christians. So Rizzo and Romeo and, and Julia would come home on the weekends with the kids to this village and help study the Bible with people. And people started to become Christians in this village. And after a while, there were about 10, 10 or 11 Christians in this little village of 500 people. Yeah. Which is significant. And there's no police or fire people in this village. There's just elders of the village. And the elders got very mad at Rizzo and Romeo for spreading this religion that wasn't Orthodox. So they started to get really persecuted. And it was so bad that they actually, the elders actually, drug Rizzo out of the town to stone him. Wow. They were going to stone him for his faith. Romeo and Juliet and the three girls back at home started to pray and fast every day that God would do something that would allow this persecution to stop. Um, Also, during that time, uh, the two oldest daughters had become Christians already. The youngest daughter, Maka, she hadn't become a Christian yet. She was eight. But Romeo, one day at midweek, found out that there was a brother that was very sick who needed money. Romeo had the daily wage that he was going to buy food and bring it home so that the family had something to eat that night. But the brother needed money for medicine, so he gave them their daily, He gave him the daily wage, came home with no food, saw his wife, and, and she said, look, this is what happened. This brother needed money, and, 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 and the wife, Juliet, said, I'm so proud of you. You did the right thing. And then she said, now let's go tell the two older daughters who are Christians. They'll understand, and then we can all help the younger one <laughs> accept the idea that there's no dinner tonight. And uh, so they told the old Tudor sisters and the two older sisters, were so proud of dad also. So they all four sat down, Maka, and said, Maka, um, daddy did this, remember that brother he wanted to help the brother, and so we won't have food tonight, is that okay? And Maka said, oh dad, I'm so proud of you, and, and by the way, for like the last two weeks I was thinking I wanted to fast, because I know you guys are fasting, but every time I see food I change my mind, so tonight I could actually do it. And I'm going to fast that one day I can become a Christian like all of you guys. Unbelievable. Heart, maca. Literally two weeks later, uh, uh, Romeo was on his way home and he got hit by a car and was killed. And they took his body back to the village of Kaki. And they held a funeral. And the entire village of 500 people showed up. And the brothers who were there, they all shared about Romeo. But they decided to study the Bible with the entire village. So the first brother stood up and said, this is how Romeo was a disciple. Then the next brother got up and said, and this is how the Word of God played a role in his life. And this is the, his transition from light to darkness and what sin can do. And then this is the cross. This was Romeo's. And then this is what the church... He basically, they, went, they went through the Bible study series with the entire village. It was a three-hour... Funeral procession. At this point, the elders came forward and apologized for all the persecution. Elders from the villages nearby said, can you come plant churches in our village as well? And there was just this incredible spread of the gospel after that happened. And Romeo's in a better place, but his life changed the villages. And Maka, the eight-year-old, This is a picture of Maka. She's on the right. And uh, Maka, she's on Revive 3.0. She became a Christian, and now she's a missionary in Eastern Europe. And we're so proud of her. And her daughters are all Christians, and the mom is still faithful. If we stay faithful, God will use you to change the people around you. Amen, church? Let's talk about being full of light and loving one another. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister, ouch, is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. You know, being in the light is key to our relationships. We need to love one another. That is not always easy. Has anybody ever hurt you? the answer is yes we've all been hurt and you'll be hurt again and you'll hurt somebody and they'll probably hurt you and this is why Jesus came and died for forgiveness of our sins he loved us and forgave us even when we didn't understand what we were doing I'm sitting in a country I spent 10 years helping people become Christians in Moscow so I have hundreds of friends in Moscow And I spent 15 years helping people become Christians in the Ukraine. These are my lifelong best friends who are now at war. And the Bible says, love one another. It does not have a footnote unless you're at war. It does not have a footnote unless they just really hurt you at some point. There are no footnotes and a perfect Christ died on a cross for six hours just to make sure that you understand there are no footnotes to this. Right. We need to love one another. And, and I do want to encourage us, and also just, you know, well, I don't hate anybody, right? I mean, yep. I, I don't hate people. I'm like, I'm a good guy. I'm chill. Well, the, the word hate isn't just this rage. Hate is indifference. It just doesn't, you just don't care about that person. You just rather not think or talk about, or just, okay, fine. That's also hate. The amazing thing about this fellowship, and I look, I see all the different generations, I see all the different skin colors, I see all the different hairdos, or in my case, lack of hairdos. Uh, we, we, we're so different, but we love one another. Yeah. And perfectly as we do, but we love one another. Amen? I love the Revive team. It's got Ukrainians on it. It's got Russians on it. It's got Americans on it. It's got Canadians on it. It's got Denmark. It's got Australia. It's got Georgia. It's got Moldova. And we love one another and we walk into a cafe and people just look at us. (laughs) What is that? People walk in here, they look at this and they think, what is this? It's Jesus. It's Jesus in this room. And I'm proud of you. Let's fight the good fight for this. Amen. We need each other. We cannot do this alone. You know, there's a great brother, Valder and Irene Koha in Boston. And they had two sons. And they decided to get pregnant a third time because they wanted a daughter. So they got pregnant the third time. And on the way to the doctor, um, she said, you know, I feel a little bit bigger this time. Maybe we'll have twins. And he was like, no, no, no twins. We're not going to have twins. Go, like as if he could control that through his voice. Please, no twins. Like one, one, one daughter. That's, that's what we want. That's what we've ordered. <laughs> like, let, so we, 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 they, they went to the doctor. They, they meet with the doctor and the doctor looks at her and says, and you know, he's a, Valder's a little bit on, you know, like, so, so what is, what is, no, 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 Don't worry. You don't have twins. You have triplets. <laughs> valder actually thinks it was twins but then god threw another one in there after his little attitude thing and they were all three boys two to five boys and then the kids went to the youth corps in romania and came back and said we should adopt from romania dad why don't we adopt from romania and he's like look around the table I already got five of you guys, like a sixth one. Are you serious? Like, do we really? And they adopted a girl from Romania. So now the family's six, right? And at Mother's Day, it was, it was the reason I'm telling this story. At Mother's Day, Irene shared, you know, guys, she was talking to the kids, and all the kids said something nice about her on Mother's Day, and she was feeling very encouraged and said, just so you know, of course, I'm happy when you get good grades, but that's not what really makes me happy. Of course, I'm happy when you bring home a trophy from your games, but that's not what really makes me happy. She said, just so you know, what makes me feel the happiest as a mom is when I see you all love one another and take care of each other. That's the thing that warms me the most. And I believe that's how God looks at all of us. It's great that you have different talents and different gifts and ways you serve, and these are all wonderful things, but the thing God really appreciates is the way you take care of each other in this room. Amen. In 1904, it was one of the hottest world fairs ever. It was St. Louis, Missouri. And there was like this little booth that was selling ice cream. And I mean, the line there was just going forever for ice cream. Um, And then next to them was the uh, stand selling hot waffles from the Netherlands. And literally, there was nobody in line. Like, nobody wanted a hot waffle on this hot day in 1904 in St. Louis. But everyone wanted the ice cream. So the line for the ice cream goes forever. The poor waffle dude is sitting there alone. Until... The ice cream guy ran out of cups. He ran out of cups. He's got all this ice cream but nothing to put it in. He looked over at his waffle guy and said, hey, maybe we could combine and you could turn your waffles into like a cup and I could put the ice cream in the cup and we could sell it as a ice cream waffle thing. And they thought, that's a brilliant idea. And that was the first ice cream cone ever in the history of the world was because there were two very talented things next to each other, but they weren't really using each other's gifts. They were independent, but then God brought them to God. I don't know. The fair brought them together. <laughs> Maybe it was God as much as I love ice cream. Maybe it is a God thing, but this church is incredible. Yeah. You have so many gifts, so many talents, so many things, but we have to do it together. Yes. Amen, church. Okay, we're almost done. Persevering. See, now you have to persevere through the last few minutes of this lesson. Remember those early moments of this sermon? No, okay, remember the earlier days after you'd received the light when you had endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution, at other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Life is not easy. As a baby Christian, I thought, this is going to get better and better. It actually gets harder and harder. When I moved to Russia, within the first few weeks, I was robbed of everything I brought with me. My mom died six months after I moved. I had pneumonia three times and bronchitis 12 times and salmonella three times. That, by the way, is a great way to lose weight, but I don't suggest it. My apartment was robbed, and literally a few days later, I saw people walking on the street with my clothes on. Later, we studied the Bible with the guy who actually robbed our apartment. Unfortunately, he had already sold all of my stuff. (laughs) But he repented and got baptized, so I'm good with that, amen? But that was bizarre. In light and darkness, he's like, well, I need to confess, I've been stealing some stuff. And I was like, really, where did you steal stuff? He said, well, there's an apartment over there that I stole. And I was like, dude, that's my apartment. And he's like, like, okay, Jesus loves you, he forgave you. I'll get there too. I had the mafia come after me in the Ukraine. I got kicked out by the KGB. Um, We've caught rats out of our apartment. Coups, wars, sitting in a bunker. Calls from the embassy to leave. Right now, living in a 200-square-foot apartment for the last year and a half with no kitchen. You have to go down three floors to find a kitchen. And it's okay. I have better possessions waiting for me. And I know this world confuses us. It makes us think lots of different things are important. But I just want to encourage you. Those things are they are good. I mean, God, we can use it for the good. But never forget the true possession you have. It's God's kingdom. Amen? There was, a, there was a little boy who was putting honey in a jar with his dad. And when they put honey in the jar, one of the bees got stuck in the honey. And his wings got stuck and he couldn't move. And he said, Dad, what do we do with the bee? It looks like he's going to die. And he said, well, yeah, he's going to die, but scoop him out we don't want to close him in the jar scoop him out and put him on the table and just let it be and so the little boy scooped it out put it on the table closed it then they went in for lunch and came back and the bee was gone and what happened is other bees flew to him and cleaned him off so that that bee could fly away and that's what we need to be for each other i don't know about you but i've gotten stuck in the mud there were times i thought i'm not sure i'm going to make it out on the other side of this but then a couple brothers come in and they clean me up yep. and they get me flying again. That's what we need to be for each other. That's right. And this is the last verse, full of light forever. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Amen, church. We get to be filled with light now, but then we get to spend eternity in light with God. And this is the most amazing thing that's going to happen for all of us. We get to see his face. You're going to get to see God's face. Now, Moses, who was God's best friend, you know, God was feeling really happy about Moses and said, so Moses, what do you want? And Moses like, I know what I want. He said, I want to see your face. And God's like, ah, well, good job, Moses. You guessed the greatest blessing that could happen to any human being seeing my face. But I can't show you my face because if you saw my face, you would actually die instantaneously. He said, actually, why don't you climb into the cave and I'll walk by and then you can look after I pass, but you can't see my face. You couldn't survive that. We will get to spend eternity able to see his face. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I was really looking forward to coming here uh, this weekend. I was really looking for, I was really hoping God help me not get sick or something happened. I really want to come to Orange County, but I'm also really looking forward to the year 2,223 because I actually won't be in Orange County. I'll be somewhere else. Yeah. Me and you will be somewhere else. Yeah. A hundred years from now, you're not going to be here no right. matter how good your diet is. It ain't going to happen. A hundred years from now, I'm going to wake up this morning and I'm going to be on the 11,565th floor of God's house. Yeah. And I'm going to get in an elevator that never breaks and I'm just going to go down and head over to the banquet hall where there's nothing but Cinnabons. <laughs> and I'm just going to eat cinnabuns. And then after the Cinnabons, I'm going to walk out and I'm going to head down the golden roads, and I'm going to say, "Oh, there's my wife, give her a hug." And then I see my kids and my grandkids and the great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandkid. The whole, our eternity will start. We get to spend eternity in heaven. None of us are promised tomorrow. This is what we live for. Amen, Church. Uh, Tomorrow I will fly on to Chicago, and I don't actually really enjoy flying that much, but I have a ritual. When I get in the plane, once they hit 10,000 feet, you know, ding, they let you get out of your seat. I get up and I I take out my shirts and my shorts and my underwear and socks, and I place them in the overhead bin. Um, I go into the lavatory and I put my toothbrush and a picture of my family up there on the mirror, and I just settle in. No, I don't do that, okay. (laughs) That's, That's not what I do. Now, the reason I don't do that is because it's just a flight. It's just two hours, and then I get off. And as the pilot gets closer and closer to the de- uh excuse me, and in the next few minutes we will be landing, it's not like at that moment I scream, No! Please circle! Don't land! I want to stay in this plane! Please! No, I don't say that, because I want to get off the plane. It's, it's the flight. The flight's not the interesting part. The interesting part is the destination. This life is a flight you're on a flight. Now, enjoy the movie. Enjoy the snacks. It's nice. It's good to be on the flight. I I, I can enjoy the flight. But don't get used to the flight. Don't unpack on the flight. Don't be nervous that the flight's going to end. Be happy the flight's going to end. Because heaven's better. The destination's better than where we are. And there will be turbulence, I promise you. As much as I wish it wasn't, there's always turbulence on the flight. And when turbulence happens, when it starts to bounce, what I do is I take off my seatbelt, I run for the door, and I try and jar open the door, because I figure if I jump out, it won't be turbulence. I'll just be calm. No, that's not what I do. I fasten my seatbelt, and I start to pray. So when you hit turbulence in God's family, you don't jump out of the airplane. Are you serious? You fasten your seatbelt, and you pray. Because believe me, as as uncomfortable as the turbulence is, outside of the plane is much worse. It ends worse, I promise you. Church, let's be full of light. Let's love God. Let's love one another. Thank you for allowing me to be here today. (laughs) The time to share.